This is Nick Mott, intern on Threshold. So Amy gave me some tape to go through of Dan Wank. He's the superintendent of Yellowstone National Park. We sat on her porch one warm winter day and talked about Dan and what we both got out of her interview. I went to an uh, IBMP meeting, Interagency Bias and Management Plan meeting. What does that mean? Hold on there. What is an IBMP meeting? <laughs> yeah, it's a mouthful. Um, so these are meetings that happen, I can't remember if it's three times a year or four times a year, of all the different stakeholders um, who are co-managing the Yellowstone Bison. So I went to one of those um, at a hot springs resort. Unfortunately, the hot springs were closed when I was there. I was very mad about that. There was a massive snowstorm happening outside, and I said, can I please have 10 minutes with you before you have to drive back to the park? And I pulled him into a little um, like dining room that was empty and echoey, and we just sat down and talked. So here's Amy and Dan in that echoey room talking about bison. One more time, can you tell me your name and your role? Dan Wink, Superintendent, Yellowstone National Park. If someone were coming into this situation who has somebody somebody from China. They've never been to Yellowstone. They All they know is that there are these giant animals called bison, and then sometimes they get killed once a year. Can you give me the super simple version of how did we get here? This is one of the greatest American wildlife conservation stories in our history. We've gone from a population of less than 25 animals to now a population of about 5,000 animals. They have a disease, uh, brucellosis, and brucellosis does, if transmitted to cattle, can cause cattle to abort at a higher rate than they would naturally. Uh, there has not been a transmission of the disease between bison and cattle, but because of the fear um, of that uh, potential transmission uh, and the fact that in the late 80s, um, early 90s, bison started to migrate out of the park, that fear led to um, greater controls being placed on the bison movement. The fundamental question that's driving my whole series here is, can America ever live with free-roaming wild bison again? I'm just curious about your gut response to that. Is that possible? We cannot do it without making some specific decisions that we're going to do it. It will not come easily. We're going to have to decide to allow bison to be on the landscape, not only in Yellowstone National Park, but outside of Yellowstone National Park. We are going to have to decide that it is a uh, wildlife management goal that is worthy of preservation of these um, bison in terms of their natural habitat, their natural, their migrations, and what makes them truly wild bison. Do you think that that's a goal worth pursuing? I absolutely believe we should pursue the goal of a free-ranging herd or herds of bison on the landscape. I think they are wild, not I think, they are wildlife. They're wildlife that's iconic to this country. Uh, the West was populated by tens of millions of bison when the West was being settled. To have a vignette of primitive America in the West, I think is a goal worthy of our country. What are the obstacles as, that you see, what are the, the primary obstacles that would prevent the free-roaming wild bison that you can imagine? Um, there's, a, there's a fear out there of, of what bison you know, might mean if they, had a farther, uh, if they could range farther in the landscape right now. There are cattle interests out there. There is a fear that they will spread the disease to cattle. Um, it's, it's interesting that the same fear does not seem to exist around elk, but elk and elk have spread the disease to cattle, but, but there, is that, there is that fear. We're working, I think, incrementally. I think we're, we're, I'll use the words baby steps. 
Uh, we're, we're getting more tolerance outside the park. We're allowing bison to be bison. Uh, we're still not allowing bison to be managed as wildlife. That's a significant next step that we have to make. Uh, but we are working with the state and all the stakeholders from all the different perspectives to see if we can put together a new bison plan to really have, give bison a better chance. To you, what were your biggest takeaways from your conversation with him, or did he say anything that you didn't expect him to say? Um, I have to say it was noteworthy to me that even though he had been in like a 10-hour meeting that was pretty heated, he still was really articulate about um, kind of the, the, the big picture issues with bison. And um, I have the sense that, uh, you know, he sincerely wants the public to be involved and he wants people to understand all of the issues, including the things that are difficult about restoring wild bison. Um, I don't think he's got his blinders on about that. Um, well, what did you hear on the tape that was interesting or surprising or noteworthy to you? To me, I was really quite surprised at his at his hope. You know, he saw it's not a decision that he has to make about the future of bison. It's a decision for all of us. You know, we I think he says we have to decide together that this is a step we must take. Right. I'm glad I'm glad you brought that up because I think that was probably one of the most important things that he said. People have to decide that they want this and then do something to try to make it happen. We actually have to find space for that. And I think that's one of the key messages from the park is like, we, we would love to do something differently. Okay, American public, you have to help figure out what that's going to be. You're listening to Threshold.